take a shot, make a friend, just enjoy the moment. I'm Luke Skywalking on these haters. Celebrate every day like a birthday. Things come to those that wait up. But don't wait to jump in too long. Don't sleep, you gotta stay up. We kick off hour number two of the program. It's brought to you by the Knoxville TVA Employees Credit Union. Check them out online at tvacreditunion.com and become a member. We're members. You should be, too. Their customer service is unmatched. Longtime sponsor of 3 and Out as the official credit union right here on Fan Run Radio. Tell them you heard about them right here on the show. Uh, Tweeter makes a good point. Says the Grant Admiral team was offensive focus, this team's defensive focus, saying one was substantially better is allowing your bias of what you value, offense or defense, to form your opinion. I sort of, ag- or I definitely agree with the the makeups of the team. I also realize that it's January with this team. There's still a lot to be determined. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they could end up being substantially better than that team. They could end up being su- substantially worse. Like, there's there's a lot of information yet to be determined. The styles definitely check out. Um, you know, I, we'll see. And just because it, it's weird too, like, do we is a team better or worse by just how far they go in the tournament? Is that is that everything? Or are they better or worse by like their body of work, including the tournament, or how, like? I mean, we see teams all the time that obviously aren't as good as other teams. But Make a run in the, the tournament. In the tournament, yeah, get hot, whatever. Well, that's that's like the question. Would you rather sneak in as like a ten seed, and all of a sudden you're in the elite eight, and it's like, oh my god, wow, we sucked all year, but we put it together now. Like, is uh, that more fun? Like, we kind of did that with Conzo. I I think like that season sucked. Do you I, remember that? I think if I built the perfect coach where I had to give up something. I would want a coach that gets me into the tournament every single year. That's Rick Barnes. And then I would want them to coach in a way where they peak in March, no matter what that means. So if that means we lose three additional regular season games because we developed more depth or we rested guys or whatever, like I don't care. I would give up a seed line to play better in March. I mean, we talked about yesterday, though, like, the seed line's very important. And mm-hmm. really, the higher you get, the more important it is, I feel like. Yeah. You know, I don't think that there's not uh, – outside of the first round, which there's that weird oddity with 5 and 12, like, being a 4 or 5 is not that big a difference. Being a 1 or 2 is a bigger difference than being 4 or 5. 7 or 8, not as big a difference as 2 or 3. So, I mean, I want a coach whose number one goal – is to peak in March. Whatever the makeup of the team is, mm-hmm. like their goal is to play their best, you know. I mean, Rick Barnes says that throughout the season. He says the right things. Like, we got to get better. We got to get better. Yeah. We got to get better. We got to get better. And I think that's his goal. Oh, I do too. And I think, I think a lot of fans are like, I can't believe you're criticizing Rick Barnes. Like, Rick Barnes criticizes Rick Barnes. What, you, what the bleep are you talking about? I mean, he said, he said, like, this is phase two. Like, this is, it's time to, you know, win at a higher level. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's not happy getting bounced in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I guarantee you. No. He's not looking at this team going, oh, man, if I can just get to that first weekend and cash my $6 million, I'll be a happy camper. 
Those guys aren't wired that way. Right. So get out of here with it's unfair to criticize Rick Barnes. I guess it just kind of depends on the way you criticize him. Okay. Like what you say. Like to say, hey, I wish he'd run different offenses is a lot di- different than, hey, he sucks, fire him. I mean, one of them's criticism, the other's just Adam Hickman. He gets paid a lot. He can handle it. So the Big Orange Philly phone lines got John Tweet on the horn. What's up, Tweet? You're on three and out. Hello. Hello. You're uh, some tweeter, whatever, something about the football program, the entire football program for an Elite Eight. I wouldn't care. They never won a game next season. I'd take that for an Elite Eight right now. Wow. And I'd have them cease to exist for a Final Four. You would give up the football program for a Final Four? Well, maybe more like a national championship. Game. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't know, man. I just don't. I mean, I like it, you know what I mean? But I just, if they never won again, I mean, eh. Okay. I don't care. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I'd take the basketball team 100 times out of 100 over the football team. Well, that's that's uh, yeah, that's that's a minority take, but you know. But you're allowed like your it. opinion. Yeah. Hey, I'm the minority. That's fine. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I would say uh, I don't know what people expect in the term. I guess better than they've done. I don't. It seems the year they lost to Hogwarts, that, <laughs> you get a free Kyle Alexander injury. I mean that. That team would have cakewalked into the Final Four. And I think that team, I don't know. They just had a better pass. The, the team that lost to Purdue, I mean, that that was a really good basketball team because I think we would have I think we would have matched up better with UVA than Purdue did because I believe that's who Purdue played next. Yes, it was. It was UVA. And I did that game go to overtime? It yeah. was super close. Yeah, it did. I just um, – I just remember that guy basically had four fouls the entire second half. And finally, it was either, I think it was Lamonte Turner that finally drew a foul on him. And he torched us for almost like 25 points. He uh, hit like five, six threes and Klein. had four fouls. The white dude that yeah, got him. Yeah, Ryan Klein. Yeah, and they, they finally were like maybe, I just said to the whole game, he's got four fouls. I'm like, when is somebody going to drive him or try to draw a foul? And, and what? <sighs> Was, wasn't his fourth foul, or I can't remember. I feel like Purdue fans were like, you guys are so lucky that he picked yeah. up that fourth foul that was terrible. Yeah, he didn't touch. Gosh, he cooked, he cooked us, though. I mean, torched us. He might have had five, five or six three-point. I can't remember. He hit seven. That, he hit, it was seven or eight. <laughs> oh, God. It's so stupid. And that last the team, I, I, I think Kennedy's team – you ran up against a Michigan team that should have been seated. You, you shouldn't have played that team there. They yeah. should have been seated far higher than where they were. I think, I, if I remember right, they were top five preseason. They were fourth preseason, did, yeah. Correct. And they just underperformed the entire year. And, and they finally, or, you know, their talent was such that that's where they should have been. And he finally started to figure it out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same thing this year. Aren't, weren't they supposed to be pretty good? And they've just been meh, just kind of middle of the pack. Michigan, that is. 
Don't know. I yeah, God, I don't even think they've been middle of the pack. I think they've been pretty bad. I thought they started back half well, of the top twenty five this year. What's crazy is that I mean the Purdue They're team, currently unranked. Like you were favored against Purdue. They were the three seed. You were the two seed. Was were we God, that they had a market who played for them that played in plays in the NBA now? The 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 guy that drew the foul on Turner, Edwards. I think he Oh yeah, Carson Edwards. Yeah. He plays for somebody. I mean he was at Boston, yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah, he was with Grant's team. Yeah, what? Yeah. A, what? A, he had twenty nine that night, uh, and Ryan Klein had twenty seven. He was seven of ten from three, ten of thirteen <laughs> from the floor. The funniest part about they this four fouls, and you don't even drive him. Nobody drove him. Right. Nobody did anything. The craziest thing about that game was both teams shot so bad from the free throw line. Tennessee was 12 of 24, and Purdue was 15 of 31 from the and, the free throw line. Dude, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They were 16 of 33 from the free throw line. We were 14 of 28. That team, too, was really good from the foul line for the year. I mean, you had, like, I, I, who was on that? Turner. Bowden was good from the line. Turner was really good from the line. Uh, I even think Jordan Bone was in the 80s. and He had a terrible shot. That team was and Grant was great from the line. Yeah. Uh, what, what a I, I don't know. It's just like a comedy of errors come tournament time. I I, I just and I don't think uh, the team before Kennedy's team with um, what do you call them the two kids at Springer and Keon. I, I don't think they were that good. I, I just. I I think they were talented. I think that was just such a weird season, right? I mean, they had to get there late because of COVID. Then there were no fans in the stands. Like, you could only play SEC teams. So, you didn't – I don't know. That season, like, they were super talented, and we had a couple games. Like, was it the game at Kentucky where we just turned it on in the second half and just blew them out? Keon went off. Yeah. Yeah. He almost, like – was Pons. Pons was on that team, too. That was Pons' last year, was it not? I believe so, yeah. Oh man, just I don't, boys. I I don't know. Um, I, I the Texas game. Who's co- what? Who's coaching Texas now? Just some assistant? Yeah. From the the wife beaters, one of the wife beaters' assistants. Okay. Uh, I'd like to see us win that game. That place is going to be a zoo. Anyways, I hope so. Y'all be good, boys. You too, yeah, too. Right, Thanks, buddy. Boys. Yeah, environment needs to be good this weekend. For a variety of reasons. I mean, we're welcoming in uh, the, the future SEC Texas Longhorns. Yeah, Rodney Terry will be uh, leading the leading the charge. Need to get a big win this weekend. Uh, let's beat Georgia first. Tomorrow. Okay, Nate, I'll I'll I won't overlook Georgia. Thank you. I appreciate that. We'll come back with more three and out. Stick with us right here on Fan Run Radio. Hour two rolls on live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Fan run radio. Pick up some White Claw Hard Seltzer. Get set for Georgia tomorrow. Texas on Saturday. College Wish we were playing day. tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Most SC games are Wednesday this week. Didn't y'all say that? I'll look up the schedule. I think four tomorrow through here tonight. 
Okay. Kentucky plays tonight, I think, Van, huh? at Vandy. Kentucky at Vandy. Mm. Little Stackhouse trying to pull off an upset. Wish he would. They've been close with a few teams this year. Obviously, they played us better than anybody was ex- expecting. The Alabama game was close. Don't count them out. LSU. They get up. They get up and down the floor, man. They can score a little bit. LSU at Arkansas, seven o'clock, ESPN two. Come on, Missouri LSU. at Ole Miss, SEC Network. God, Ole Miss is so hard to watch, man. Kentucky, they're so at bad. Vanderbilt is nine o'clock on SEC Network. So uh, good luck. Ole Miss is so bad. Yeah, they're they're terrible. We beat them by four. At Ole Miss. <laughs> on the road when it was a tough environment there. They they weren't this bad yet. The crowd was still getting into it. That was our first SEC game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were all fired up, focused, and prepared. We went in there and stomped on them late. <laughs> Got the win. A little bit. Kind of stomped on them. Like, stepped, like lightly stepped. Like stubbed our toe on them. Okay. Kind of thing. No, Lou, no, no, Lou, no new bracketology by Joe Lenardi. Currently has Tennessee as a two C, but that was updated on one twenty. I don't strength the schedule is really tenth. Because Kansas keeps losing. Where'd you see that? Uh, Kim Palm has us at s- strength of schedule fifty seven. What? Yeah, non-conference 124. According to TeamRankings.com, strength of schedule, rankings, and ratings. Bama, 1. Kansas, 2. Baylor, 3. Iowa State, 4. Connecticut, 5. Creighton, 6. UCLA, 7. Michigan State, 8. Indiana, 9. Tennessee, 10. Okay. That's strength of schedule. Our strength of schedule. What did I just say? Offensive rank is seventy-eight. So we've played. We have not played a lot of good offensive teams yet. Kansas was pretty good. I looked up some of the, the you know, most notable teams. Obviously, Arizona is good. They're twelfth. Mm-hmm. Kansas was like in the twenties, I think. Okay. Maryland was in the like higher twenties. USC was okay, but I do worry. That when we get to tournament time, you know, I, I guess I'm hoping we draw other defensive teams. Okay. Do you think we're better against a really defensive? Like, if we're playing a really good team, let's say. I don't know. LSU was really bad defensively, and we looked all right. They were also not very good offensively, so. Yeah, if we're playing a team that, we'll say, is similar to us. Let's I say feel like a, I would prefer a team that's not as good on offense. Mississippi two, State's a good comparison, Yeah, good, right? good defensive. No, they're terrible. I'm talking about a tournament game, 2C versus 3C. This is to go to the Elite Eight. Like, they're about, they're about the same as us just overall. Would you rather them be good offense, worse defense, or better defense, worse offense? Worst offense. Okay. Just because I would hate for us to have a bad scoring night and we hold a team to 60 mm-hmm. or 55 and score 51. That's well, that's what would scare Arizona's me. Arizona's the best offensive team we've played, right? And held was, them to 75? 75-70. It, was, it, was, it could have gone either way. Is it seventy? Is 75 the most we've given up and we've given it up twice? We, uh, Colorado scored 78. 
Okay, 78 to Colorado. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought that was 75 as well. And, yeah, even in our blowouts, no one's no gotten close even. Like, even we scored in the 80s or 90s. USC game, we won 73-66, so that, was, that obviously went to overtime. So that was a really low-scoring game. I think we'll, I think we'll actually – looking at the schedule, I, I think we know a good bit about this team, but I think we'll learn a lot more. I think we'll learn more from now until the end of the regular season than we have so far about how good they can be. I agree. And I think after this stretch – Either people will have started to kind of come around on, hey, maybe this is the team, this is the year. Maybe get excited. Or things could go bad, and people are like, yep, see, told you. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything can happen from now until March to change my opinion. Of? Tennessee. Which is? Don't get your hopes up for the big dance. I mean, I guess, like, hypothetically, we could win out. And well, I'd still probably be let's like, say they well, lose one game and get a number one seed. Let's say they lose one game, win the SEC tournament, get the number one seed. The first ever number one seed in the history of our program. Then I'd say we should get to the Sweet 16, but, you know, Sweet 16, first well, it's tough okay game to be play. a little guarded, but aren't you going to be excited? I mean, I'll Can't be, you be yeah, both? I'll, I'll be excited, but. Hickman, do you know how many times Tennessee has made it out of the round of 32 in the history of Tennessee basketball? Don't tell me. I think I know it. Twelve. Seven. Uh, Seven times. Seven. In the history of the program. Bruce do it. Three? Four? Three? I don't know. Barnes has done it once. I mean, Bruce had two first-round outs. At least. I mean, I think Bruce, in his time here at Tennessee, was a little overrated myself, if I do Hmm. say so. The difference was he got you to the first Elite Eight. Yeah. You take that away. And probably should have won that game and beat Michigan State. If that's a sweet 16, it's not even close in the argument of Rick Barnes versus Bruce Pearl. It's Rick Barnes, but... Hmm. That year sucked because your Final Four matchup would have been Butler. Which I know Butler was absolutely filthy back then, but I think uh, first Final Four in school history, you get the matchup against a group of five school. I think everybody and their mama would take that. Everybody and their mama. Pearl was what? Second round, Sweet 16, Sweet 16, first round exit, Elite 8, first round exit when he was here. So he got out of the first round three times? Two Sweet 16s in the eight? Yes. Okay. Three, Yeah, three out of six. I'm just saying, seven times. It's not good. Pearl's, that's, that's the most by one coach, I believe, right? Yeah. Three times? It has to be. So if Rick Barnes gets us to the Sweet 16, he'll be in second place? Jerry Green was only here, what, three years, and he made it once? Yeah, Jerry Green, such potential. God. Just a weird guy. Just saying, like, it's it's kind of weird that people expect Rick Barnes to be this snap your fingers and all of a sudden we're in the Elite Eight every year. Like, it's, like th- that's not the history of this program. But as Hickman said, we are the winningest team in the SEC over the last three seasons. Well, I think there have been SEC teams that made it further than us in the tournament seemingly every year. Well, Rick Barnes kind of sets his own expectations. I mean, it's 
Like, I, I really appreciate what he's done for Tennessee basketball, this program, players he's coached. Um, but he's gotten us to this level, and we just want even more, like, from you know, for him, from him. And I think he would agree. Like, when the team is seeded second, like, that's just kind of the natural expectation mm-hmm. that that's the round you should go to when you look at the matchups. And sure, you can, you know, it, it, do, it doesn't help that that's essentially why Texas ended up firing him. If Tennessee was his only big job he'd ever had, yeah. I don't think people would really look at it and be like, oh, he always struggles in March. I also think it's true if he were if he was like 44. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So that's just one of those things. I mean, at Texas they were in the tournament all like he made the tournament at Texas every year but one. Mhm. And eventually they fired him for it. <laughs> so I guess my question is like what what hap- what happens every year? Why why is it that for whatever reason, you you can't get past the round of thirty two, like what? Because I agree with Hickman, like there is a pattern here, and I'm just curious, like how has he not figured that out yet, and what is it? I mean, he's a pretty smart coach who has access to a lot of other really smart coaches. You would think one of his buddies would call him up, like Cal, and say, "Hey, by the way, the reason you lost." That game was because you didn't do X, Y, Z. And this one was the same thing. And this one was the same thing. You need to switch this up. And, you know, like you would think somebody would have scouted him and told him about it since then. Or does he just panic and it's something different seemingly every year? Now now you're asking some really good and tough questions. I don't think there's any way to really answer them. But it, it is fascinating. Like, I mean, does Rick Barnes when, get nervous in March? When a when a has been you know high school coach can casually watch the season, like who are we playing Wednesday? Georgia. Put yeah. me on the Georgia on the Georgia bench Wednesday night in the first half, where my guys are in front of right in front of me, and I could probably yell out where the screens and stuff is coming from. The whole game. So imagine how well the team has the mm-hmm. scout when they've seen every game of the whole season, and that's their full time job. When you play, oh God, who was the Sister Jean team? Loyola Chicago. Yeah, when you're Loyola Chicago's assistant coach, and that's your only job, and you spent, you know, the last twenty four hours on it. Like we're we're very simple to to guard. And we don't have – there's no other gear. There's no other plays. There's no other mm. – and it doesn't have to be complex, but just run something that's not on tape every once in a while. Yeah. Matt Painter did it to us. You know, they, they ran action that they had showed a lot that game. Boom. Then, you know, slip the screen, dunk. Let me talk about one of our best teams ever. Had two NCAA tournament games that went to overtime. I think that's it. It's it's that it's it's that those all the stuff Rick Barnes does day in day out. He is better than probably I don't know whatever ninety percent of the coaches in America at that stuff. 
he is he is the the hedgehog, and I say that as a compliment. The hedgehog. Yeah. So there's this there's this business concept that uh, it's. Remember if it's in traction or good to great, but anyway, it's that when people talk about business success, they talk about it like you need to be a fox, you need to be smarter than the competition, or have some some genius new yeah. invention to start some revolutionary company. And when you study great companies, it's not true. Like most great companies don't have a charismatic, all-world, you know, move the moon CEO, and they don't. They are not started with some revolutionary new idea that no one's thought of before. They're typically run by people who define their core values, find their one like market indicator, and hammer it day in and day out and day in and day out and religiously stick to the plan. And eventually, they gain traction, and boom, they eventually blow up. Mm-hmm. Rick Barnes is the hedgehog of college basketball coaches. Like every single day, he puts in the work with his guys. He makes them put. He challenges those guys to put in the work themselves, and they take on the mentality of of him. Right, mm-hmm. just a hardworking dude from Hickory, North Carolina, and we outwork work guys. I mean, even the Grant Admiral team that was great on offense. I feel like they were great on offense a lot of times because they were outworking the defense. They're getting to those spots. Getting better looks, mm-hmm. and then once they made a bunch of them, holy crap, they they were unstoppable. Uh, this team, they just outwork on the defensive end. Sadly, I don't think outworking people in modern college basketball is good enough. Well, it's good enough to get you the tournament every yeah, year. But like, it's good I mean, enough to get you player to development has improved so much over the past 10, 15 years that kids right out of high school they're faster, they're stronger. They can jump higher, and I don't know if the oh you know if we just work hard and just outwork everybody, then we're going to be all right. I don't know if that can really carry you deep in college basketball anymore. Well, it can obviously get you to a two seed, a three seed, whatever we're, we've been. Maybe at. a one. But what I think is happening is the difference in the games in the tournament is so I agree small with that. that sometimes it is just. Grant's got four fouls. We're going to start him on the bench. Oh, God, we gave up a bucket. We lost the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, Lamonte Turner doesn't bump a dude. You you probably win the game. Like, it's some of that stuff. It's it's a, Some of that stuff's out of his control. But if he was able to manufacture four more points a game with coaching, that could be the difference. And when you don't have – Coach K's three lottery picks like he's had on some of his national championship teams or Mm -hmm. Jim Calhoun's some of his teams that had NBA guys running around like crazy, that margin gets even tighter. I mean, we basically are playing with the margin like Virginia plays with. And sure, they broke through and won a national championship, but it doesn't feel like they're going to win another one. You know what I mean? Like it's Mm -hmm. It's not like Cal with four lottery guys the one year he won it or whatever the case is. Like it's... It's just weird. I, I, I don't know. You could go back and look at every single exit and say, you know, what was the difference here? What was the difference there? Kyle Alexander, not in the game. I don't know. It's it's like anything. I think everybody wants to boil it down to one thing, but I think it's a combination of stuff. And honestly, even though he's coached a long time, it, that's still a small sample size. We talked about, like, the Vikings this year winning all these close games. Everybody could tell they weren't that good. It was just kind of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. You're calling us an anomaly? 
No, I'm just saying some of the years, it's just you can get unlucky. Some of the years you can get lucky. I I don't know. They're, it's probably going both ways for Rick Barnes a little bit here and there. But uh, it's a both-and thing. He's giving you these opportunities year in, year out. But now fans want to see take it, you know, see a, a Tennessee team take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter how it. It doesn't really matter where you are to get once you get there. Like it, that just kind of sets the stage, and then it's time to perform. I don't know what like what what should he be doing now that he doesn't do that would make us better in March. Does he give guys more rest? Are we too tired in March? I've thought that before. I don't know that I necessarily thought that last year. I thought the initial plan on the big guy was not a, a was very wrong. Good one. Yeah. yeah, and you lost the game by that March. Yeah, I mean, it 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 set you up for failure. Um, this year though, I feel like I feel like the guys are pretty pretty rested. If you don't, if you don't have to play these, you know, if we can give Ziegler a you know twenty-eight minute night Wednesday mm-hmm. and win the game easily, that would be great. And then that way he can play thirty-eight against Texas or whatever. Mm-hmm. Late in the year, I mean, you're going to have Alabama, Kentucky, A and M, Arkansas, and Auburn with a South Carolina game sandwiched in between. Like, I don't really want the guys playing full bore in all five of those games. Yeah. So maybe that's where we need to manage that a little bit better. I mean, I would be working on plays, sets, right now in the season that I will not run until the NCAA tournament. I think that's I, I, we we both agree on that. Yeah, and we have for a long time. Or you need to have so many sets that, that you don't know which one's coming. That, yeah, when you throw up a certain hand signal, everyone's not like, okay, well here comes the. Here comes the ball screen with the backdoor cut. Like it's just you yeah, know it gets instead of doing this for money, I think he should pull his wallet out <laughs> and point to. Oh, it. change the hand signals, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, maybe that'll throw him off. I mean, but no, like seriously, like I don't know how many different sets he has, but he either needs to have more, or like you said, secret stuff that we hmm. don't call that that look maybe looks like that. So maybe maybe it's the same hand signal. But if he has his hand and he's scratching his neck when he like seriously, it's where they think, oh yeah, here it comes, and it looks like that, and then it's something completely different. I mean, it's, call, a, ca- it's call, a counter. Call money and have it where you know the big's gonna slip off the second screen. Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes you can say, well, if he overplays, slip this, and you know we'll get you for a dunk. But if it's if you don't know you're gonna take the risk on the pass. It's like uh, when Zakai got beat on the back door the other night out of a timeout. I mean, that was obviously a design. Hey, look for the back door right here. Right. If it's open at all, we're throwing it. You're, you're going to take more of a risk on that pass, and it's much a much higher likelihood of being completed than if you say, hey, we're going to run a regular offense. And by the way, don't forget if they ever play, you can go back door. You yeah. can throw that. It's like we're trying to hit the back door right here. So call money and have, you know, have Vescovy – or key or whoever it is, come off one side, kind of dummy off one side, and then have him sprint the other way. And as he turns the corner to to flare out off a screen, just know right then we're slipping and we're trying to hit the back door mm-hmm. and the dunk. Something. I mean, I don't know. 
Our most successful play that we ran all the time when we had to have a bucket, we had two different counters off of it. So we essentially had three different ways we could hit people on it. And after we hit them with the main play, it didn't even matter. They'd scout this thing all week. They'd know it's coming. They'd call it out. We'd still score on it the first two times we ran it. And then on the third trip down, when they finally realized how they had to hedge it and overplay it, they'd overplay it too much. We'd reverse it, kick it the other way, score again. And then when they ever played it again, we instead of having the big come off the screen, the big would set the screen, boom, we were hitting a three at the top of the key. Like, you have to have – Josh Heupel does that in the football field. We have like 40 games to play in the basketball season. Why can't we run something new? And maybe they something do. Something I didn't see in Myrtle Beach in 2002. And maybe they do in the tournament, and we just don't see it. We don't recognize it. They, ha- I have recognized a couple things last couple years that they'll put in late in the season, some lateral screen. Usually it's some stuff to get some bigs. The, the basketball, they did clear out for Julian uh, Phillips a while back. I haven't really seen that since. But, like, I'm fine if we're vanilla as we win all these games. Sure. But, I don't know. Remind me, when we get in the tournament, hey, let's study every single possession. Yeah. What are they calling? What are they doing? Because I swear, I mean, each one of these years we've been ba- – we don't get beat by 20 in the NCAA tournament. It's not like – well, that one time. But it's not like – Oregon State wasn't that really it was bad. It was like 10. Okay. It was like 10 the but whole we, game. But we like didn't show up. Same amount of wins they had that year. But most of the time they show up for the NCAA tournament game. It's not like we don't know how to play. It's not like we miss every shot. Mm-hmm. It comes down to a close game, and in close games in the tournament, we've just lost them. Mm-hmm. Final segment, hour two next. Final segment, hour number two. Chewing on uh, Tennessee basketball. Where are we? What do we expect? Why the lack of buzz? It's kind of been depressing. The show? Ain't it fun? Yeah. What's been depressing? I don't know, just... Talking about basketball. <laughs> yeah, just talking about the number four team in the country, why no one's excited, how depressing it is. Uh, tweeter said, Tweeter. I also believe being number one in baseball and so dominant and then having our hearts broken, then number one in football, and then eventually our hearts broken in the South Carolina game has something to do with the lack of excitement. I actually don't uh, disagree with that, although I do think it's a very strange... Like, I don't know, like, like losing to Notre Dame last year was disappointing. I still think that was such a fun season, and I'm so excited for the future of Tennessee baseball that I don't look back and be like, mm, we blew it. Yeah. Uh, football, it felt like we were kind of playing with fire a little bit the whole season in a way, like, how on earth do we keep winning these games? How do we keep doing this? And I don't know. Like, that South Carolina game, don't get me wrong, that's going to hurt for a long time. But you finished 11-2, and two, you beat Clemson. I think we can all look back at the South Carolina game and say there were a lot of extenuating circumstances surrounding that game that led to the loss in Columbia. So you're like, okay, that, that was definitely a one-off thing. I don't think Heupel's going to be the guy to drop. What's worse, though, like the South Carolina loss or, like, Rick Barnes losing to Purdue or Loyola Chicago? Purdue. 
I think it's a South Carolina loss. I think if Josh Heupel hmm. had been had been going ten and two and eleven and one for four or five straight years and never winning the SEC or doing anything in the playoffs, and then that had happened this year, people be ready to light his ass up. If Josh Heupel had had Rick Barnes' success in the regular season for four or five years before that South Carolina game, well, this I year, agree, but no one expected us to go ten and two. That's what I'm saying. Except me and Brett. That's that's what I'm saying though, right? Like it's Sheep. your perception. Changes. Yeah, accurate sheep is what we are. Yeah, you, that's, that's my point. You though. didn't predict the Bama win, so if this was the first year Rick Barnes had been good at Tennessee, people be over the moon. You wouldn't be able to get a ticket for the Texas game. That's the thing, though. You don't want to be a pond. You don't want to be stagnant. You want to be ever. I thought you, you, wanna, you want to be flowing upward. I thought you were trying to say pond. You said no, pond. pond. You don't want to be pond water. Yeah, you want to be flowing upward. Name scum. Although streams and rivers don't flow up, they flow down. Are you a salmon or are you the water? I'm confused. Salmon need current Uh, to spawn. Right now, we're salmon, and the NCAA tournament's a grizzly bear. Mm. You know they can they can only eat so many. That's true. If Josh Heupel was Mark Richt, and they and they lost to South Carolina, people be like, "That's the last straw." But because it, but because it was the first year, and we exceed expectations, all the stuff you just said is how people think, and it's true. Yeah, yeah we beat you, Alabama. You know, had a good yeah, season. Yeah, we, we, we were ahead of we were ahead of schedule. Yeah. yeah, and you had the biggest win in Tennessee football over the last oh, 24 years to hang so, your hat on. I hate to say it, the situation just matters. It does, and that's why there's. So to answer the question. Why is there not as much buzz about this basketball team as top five teams? Just because circumstances are different. It's different than football. It's different than baseball the last two years. Wouldn't you say Rick Barnes had more of a factor in the Purdue loss than Josh Heupel did in the South Carolina game? Yes. So I don't know, Undoubtedly. That, that, like, without question, you yes. Get, like, you starting your best player on the bench in overtime in a winner-go-home game to get to the Elite Eight, that is a fireable offense in my opinion. That is the worst decision. The worst decision that was ever made in Tennessee basketball history. Okay, I'm not sure I disagree, but let me argue the other side just for the hell of it. The football team didn't even show up. They got boat raced. Oh. If Rick Barnes had lost to Purdue by 35, is that not his fault? Like, what's better? The fact that one team was prepared to play, got down 14, battled all the way back, and still had a chance to win it. Well, really, it was just or, the defense against South Carolina. Well, but you get what I'm saying, though. And, and we'll like, never in know a way, what in really a, happened. In a way, it's the same. It's the same argument. Like the the coach that goes five and seven in year one, if he goes eight and four the next year, everybody's happy. But if a guy goes nine and three in year one, then goes eight and four in year two, people are mad. That makes no sense. That's stupid. But that's just the way it is. Like, if, if Josh Heupel had gone for it in a key fourth down against South Carolina with the lead and we don't get it and they win the game on a Hail Mary, you're blaming Heupel. But because the defense gave up a touchdown on five the first five possessions of the game, we don't blame Heupel. That's, that's, that's illogical. If the rumors were true, though, I mean, it's like nobody could have had that defense ready to play if they were just that immature that they wanted to. But this goes back to the Rick Barnes thing. Like, if they're – like, isn't it almost harder – to have your guys ready to play than to make the obvious decision to put Grant Williams on the floor to start overtime. And and that's where we get into the same argument. Uh, I think football is a lot different. Well, that's why I just compared basketball to basketball. Like, well, I'm saying I think it's I think it's easier to get 11 guys to like be ready to play for an NCAA tournament game. Like it's just a little bit different. Like when you're an offensive coach and it's a defensive well, side. What I'm saying of the- is Rick Barnes always pretty much always yeah. gets his guys ready to play. 
It's those little decisions. No, that's why I th- I think that what Rick Barnes did with Grant Williams is way worse. Okay. Because I think that's such an obvious and easy thing that you just never do in any situation. Like You're playing to win a win-or-go-home game. You do not sit your best player on the bench hoping he doesn't pick up a foul. You play him, and if he picks up a foul, you deal with it. Because if he picks up the foul, you're in the same situation you are when you start. But if you play him and he doesn't pick up a foul, yeah. you might win the game. Like that makes that logic that night made no sense, and it still doesn't. Like it's still, I'm not going to say a fireable offense, but it is easily the worst decision Rick Barnes has ever made. Well, I would say it's second, and the number one mistake was in that same game we ran offense through Lamonte Turner. Okay, well, yeah. When Grant was on the floor and hadn't fouled out and had gotten into the game in overtime, we ran offense through our sixth person. Literally, by definition, like he won awards for being the sixth person. And maybe you say, well, he's actually the fourth best player. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You ran offense, and you made Admiral and Grant screeners, hoping that maybe they could be involved if things happen. But Lamonte Turner had to make the decisions that won or lost you the basketball game. Miraculously, some of them even worked out. You know, he missed Mm -hmm. a shot off the glass, and Grant cleaned it up and scored. It still almost worked. Yeah. But that logic to me is just as illogical. Like, you have Admiral and Grant. How you don't have stuff drawn up for them to decide whether you score or not on offense, That to me that's coaching malpractice. And so we can, we can him and haul about where he's got the program and all this stuff. But if you want to talk about specific little decisions, I mean, I can find some that just are maddening. And, and that's why I will always criticize the coaching even if it's gotten you to a great place, because both can be true. 